I just spill a little beer on myself. So we might already be off the rails. We're not even out of the station yet, Jason. Yep, off the rails. <laughs> what I'm saying is I don't know if we've been put onto the rails yet at the roundhouse. I mean, I think even if, when you're at the station, you're still on the rails. Well, you can't like have they, a train that's off the rails inside the station. That too. It's yeah, what I'm saying is we haven't been put the on the rails yet. We haven't been. You can't knock us off the rails if we're not on the rails to begin with. We haven't left the station, but maybe you come in and the train is just sitting next to the rails, but it's not on there, but it is in the station, and you wonder how did this happen? What train station do you go to? He goes to one where there's just a model train sitting next to the tracks, <laughs> and he's like, that train is off the rails. Have you guys never seen like the space next to trains? They're, they're, the rails aren't all like touching each other. There's space in between. Yeah, There's but in the, station, the in the station, the platform's usually, you know, right there next to Except it. For a subway. Or most, you know, city train stations are like that, too. Yeah, but not in Richmond. There you go. Yeah, See? but how... Jason, you're really going to use not in Richmond, Virginia as Richmond your is cover not for only, this argument? They are not the only place that has this happening where a train could be inexplicably off the rails sitting next to the rails before they've even left the station. Do, do each of the Gambrelses have a uh, train station, and do no. those train stations actually have rails? No and no. Um, there is a Mark uh, station nearby, but it's not in any of the Gambrelses. Well, after tonight, it might have blown away, because there's apparently a major death storm coming yes. in right now. Like, we might actually pick up some thunder on my mic, because it's rolling through kind of hard right now. <laughs> so we might literally go off the rails. If by off the rails, we mean off the electricity. No, because I live he's, in he's civilization where all the, power ground, all the power lines are underground. So it's very, very difficult, you know, not wood, to, um, to, to knock out the power here. Now it would have to be a tree falling, like, on my house, which would suck Definitely guaranteed that, that you're going to lose power now. Yeah, I know. It's going to be fun. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Hopefully you are hearing my voice and my house is still standing and has electricity hopefully when you, didn't you do turn hear off, Hopefully you didn't turn off after our five-minute discussion of rails. And whether or not we are on them. Um, we are firmly on the rails at this moment, leaving the station. God knows how long we will remain on the rails. I am Adam Taylor, joined as always by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We are all from blackandredunited.com on SB Nation, where you can find us running about DC United, the Richmond Kickers, the U.S. men's and women's national team, and, you know, lots of other stuff, too, from time to time. We've got a good show for you tonight. We are going to talk about DC United's one-to-one draw with the Houston Dynamo last weekend, and we're going to have on... Uh, a repeat guest, John Seacrest from 86 Forever, also on SB Nation. He's going to help us preview DC United's trip to Vancouver this weekend. He, of course, is a Vancouver Whitecaps blogger. That game will be 10.30 Saturday night, so we'll have a little DCU after dark action going on. I know everyone loves those Twitter conversations. Uh, before we get into anything, though, Jason, what are you drinking? You're the only one who I know is not drinking gin. That's so. right. Or yeah, so so we're gonna start with you, and then you are going to adjudicate uh, yes. the gin wars that Ben has declared on me. <laughs> All right, um, I picked up a six pack of a beer I've never had before. It's a uh, Big Punisher Double IPA. It's a uh, by Jailbreak Brewery, which is actually not too far from here in Laurel, Maryland, um, and it's it's pretty good. They they recently started doing a beer uh, with my favorite coffee roaster on the planet. Uh, but that beer is only available in their um, their tap room. So I bought what was available at the liquor store from them, which is this double IPA. It's a, it's a pretty good IPA, I'm not going to lie. You know, not everyone has a favorite coffee roaster on Earth. I do. I mean, I do too. It's just weird that we all do. I think we've. I think it's established that we're very specific about drinks. That's that's true. Oh, it, that is very true. Jason, is your favorite coffee roaster in Maryland? Yes. Adam, is yours in the District of Columbia? Of course it is. Is mine in Richmond, Virginia? Obviously. <laughs> uh, we've got the DMV fully represented we in are, the filibuster. We do nothing if not play to our types. Yeah. We all have a role to play, Ben. And tonight yours is uh, Vanquished. Your, your role tonight is The Vanquished. 
I mean, so so tell tell the people what what conciliatory gin you were drinking and what beverage you have concocted for tonight. I mean, my my foray into the gin wars that I declared was try was a hopeless first strike to try and uh, use the element of surprise. Because I knew I could not win on the merits, so... <laughs> because um, you're drinking what? <laughs> because I'm drinking a gin and tonic. Um, <laughs> in a red Solo cup. In a red Solo cup, because we, I'm moving to a new house, or, well, to a house. I don't live in a house now. I live in an apartment. Uh, and so we, this past weekend, we moved all of our kitchen supplies, and so we've been eating off of paper plates and drinking out of Solo cups this week. So, Yeah. But yes, it's a gin and tonics, with, uh, which 85, uh, 85% of the known galaxy has a drink called the gin and tonic, using the same phonetic, uh, the same phonemes. So it's not just an American drink. It's not just a British drink. It's an intergalactic drink. And Ben, if you ever want to learn how to fly, just fall at the ground and miss. Obviously. I am drinking, obviously, a gin ricky tonight. Uh, I do actually have Virginia gin, though, Ben, so Ooh, so you'll be happy to know fancy. I'm drinking Catoctin Creek Watershed Gin, which is... How they, is it? They, it's good. It's a very... It's not a dry gin. Mm. It's It's got a little bit more residual sweetness than um, your typical London-style gin, but it's also got a lot of the botanicals, and it's very, very herbal-forward um, in a good way, I think. It's kind of funny. On the back of the bottle, they 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 tell you what they distill it from. They distill it from rye and wheat, which doesn't matter at all in gin. Gin like vodka, it doesn't matter what it comes from because you distill it completely to death, and then do whatever it is you're gonna do to it. So the material it comes from completely does not matter. Um, anyway, Jason, you said you would have. You said off the air you'd have criteria for us after we declared our drinks so that you could yes. adjudicate the gin wars. So before we get to DC United, we are going to, to go off the rails completely, and you are going to tell us what your criteria are. And who wins, based on those criteria. Well, uh, to be clear, I never promised criteria. I just said there could be criteria. Oh, fair. And <laughs> here's how we're going to determine the winner of the gin wars. Ready? Go. I win. I win. <laughs> Adam wins. <laughs> I was actually planning on one of you, like a, a pregnant pause, and then one of you asking what was going on, and then the person who didn't ask was going to be the winner, but you both <laughs> went a different way with it. So Adam, Adam wins for being faster. <laughs> uh, I'm nothing if not bombastic. All right. It is time. Cheers, Ben. It is time to turn our attention to soccer. This is, of course a drinking podcast with a soccer problem, and we need to indulge that problem right now. DC United 1, Houston Dynamo 1, free kick golazo by Chris Rolfe. Uh, gave DC United the lead in the first half. That's right, guys, a first half goal, another one. Second week in a row we have first half goal to talk about. Um, of course, in the second half that was negated by a rebound put away by Ricardo Clark. Game ended all, all square. Um, this was really the second straight disappointing draw. DC United gave up a second half goal for the second half, or to draw for the second time in a row. Uh, Jason, is this a trend we need to start worrying about? Because last year, DC United was a team that really didn't give up many leads. Uh, it's a little worrisome. The last week was more the product of just some, some major errors that were avoidable. Those goals should not have happened. Um, this game was a little... In a way, in its own way, it's a little more frustrating because Houston's not as good as New York. Um, Houston does not have much on their roster to come from behind. When when United took the lead and Houston brought in uh, the broken corpse of Will Bruin uh, for uh, Luis Garrido and went to a 4-4-2, what it should have done is set up United to go um, win the game with a, with a counterattack. It should have been very easy for United to make this 2-0. And instead... Houston kind of carried a long spell of the game, not because they played particularly well, but because DC just sort of went kind of flat. Um, and so that's that's a little alarming. Um, there were also some strange, in both games, there have been some strange defensive positioning errors that it seems almost, um, it's not so much that it's it's anyone's particular fault, um, but maybe the, the absence of Burnbaum has just thrown everyone off their, their game just a tiny bit. 
and they're they're not quite in tune as a group, and and thus, uh, um, it it's just been a little odd to watch. Uh, Overall, every single defender didn't really come away doing that well. I thought Sean Franklin had a very good game other than on the goal, but on the goal, he really he's much more athletic than Brad Davis. He doesn't need to let Davis run 30 yards with the ball without mm-hmm. jumping in and doing something. Because um, even if he had jumped in and committed a foul, that we probably don't concede a goal from the free kick. Um, so it's, it's a little worrisome, especially... Uh, having to go to Vancouver and play, cr- go cross country and play on turf in a place where uh, Vancouver has sort of eaten the Eastern Conference for lunch over the years, um, it's not really the note you want to go in on is is wondering about your defensive solidity. But um, I guess the the silver lining is if there ever was a time to get it right, it would be this week before you get on a flight across uh, across the U.S. and technically across the Canadian border as well, I suppose. Across the North American continent. There we go. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so Houston did have some good spells in this game, but the narrative that I've seen out there seems to be that, at least not among neutrals and Houston fans, seems to be that Houston dominated the game and were really, really unlucky not to come away with the win. That's what Owen Coyle said. That's what Houston writers I've read have said. And that's what ESPN and their power rankings said. And I just don't see it. DC United had more shots on goal, more possession, more had passes in the attacking half than Houston, and I think DC United had the better of the chances that went wanting. Uh, Andrew Dykstra never stood on his head in this one. Tyler Derrick only had to make one brilliant save, but he was forced to make a brilliant save. Houston hit the post once. I, I think a draw is probably the fair result in this. If either team had won, the other one would have felt hard done, but I don't think either team has a case to make that they were were robbed in this one. Ben, am I am I saying things, or is everyone else? Am I the only one who's saying here? Yes, you are. Um, it could have easily been two to zero before that uh, that Houston goal. Uh, Chris Rolfe played Chris Pontius in brilliantly uh, about what five to ten minutes before the Houston goal, and whether it was thinking too much, whether it was just not being in the right, quite the right position to rip a good shot. Uh, he didn't get off the shot first time, and then he, when he cut back to try and put it back post, it went well into uh, a small orbit around the Houston goal. That's how off it was. Um, uh, Jairo Orieta had some good chances that were squandered. Um, it was, yeah, I mean, even is the best that I would give Houston in that game, and I would, uh, I'm probably a giant homer, but I would give, I would have given DC United the balance of play, the the, uh, the balance of, like, attacking play, the balance of threatening play. Uh, and so I think everyone else is just drinking crazy juice. Yeah, I think maybe this might be a case of first impression because Houston started the game really strong. They came out with a high pressure set and and kept DC United pinned in our own end for a, a little spell at the beginning of the game and bossed the game around there. But then for probably after probably the 15 minute mark in the first half, the rest of it was mostly DC United, uh, at least to my eye. Um, all that said, it was not a great performance by any means from United. Not not one that. Ben Olsen is going to hang his hat on, as you you guys have alluded to. Um, and, and Ben, you you noted something that I want to touch on, and that's the forwards. Chris Pontius, Jairo Arrieta, they seem to be lacking in a little bit of confidence right now. Pontius didn't have the confidence to take that that shot first time with his left foot. He tried cutting it back to his right foot. It was blocked. He cut it back again and sent it well wide of the goal. Arietta had some good moments, but he there were a couple of times where he dithered on the ball a little too long in the box and wasn't able to get a shot off. Jason, is this just a confidence thing, or is this just little bounces not going quite right? Or what is it about Pontius and Arietta right now that that seems to have everyone looking at him sideways a little bit? Uh, they've been a little nervous. Um, sometimes the decision-making isn't quite right. Uh, we see Arietta going offside a lot. Um he is he's trying to break the offside trap uh, in all of these. It, it, his typical offside play is the same thing every single time. It's 
him trying to step and then getting going a little too early. Um, I think this one this this week he got caught a couple times having stepped and then trying to scramble back in time. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's been a, an issue. But I think part of it is is that we're not giving them the kind of service they would want. Um, I think it, I, maybe I, I should divide it between the two of them. I think Pontius is a little short on confidence. Um, I think he's aware that he's a lot better uh, at his best than he's playing, and I think that's kind of weighing on him. I think Arietta isn't giving getting the service he would want. I don't think United had a single successful through ball while Arietta was in the game, and he's someone that wants to break the offside trap and run on the through balls, and he's just not getting that kind of service. So I think between the, those two factors, um, he's got a, a front pairing that is not really firing on all cylinders, and the 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 bad part of that is that their lack of confidence for their various reasons means that they're also not as dangerous um, off the ball, and so they're not getting the service, but they're also not getting themselves into positions where there could be service for them, um, which is why we're kind of surprised to see first-half goals. We're um, looking at uh, Luis Silva and Fabian Espindola. Not, I mean, everyone assumed that they were going to be starters as soon as they were fit and, and available, but there isn't really much of a – they don't have to, like, push past anyone uh, in these um, – first couple appearances, they don't have to win their job back or anything. It, it's there for them to take because no one else has really seized the day, and, and it's sort of a chicken and egg problem. Yeah, uh, even without the service, the, the outside midfield positions have been, the, the players in those roles have been active. Chris Rolf, obviously, he, I think, has led the team in shots and shots on goal, and he was really unlucky not to have a couple of goals before this weekend, and then that curler on the free kick was just spectacular to the far post. Not even Tyler nominated for go- for goal of the week. Not really even nominated. That's right. Uh, of course it wasn't. Uh, I'm yeah. Of course it wasn't. Uh, but Rolf obviously has been active. Farfan in his couple of starts has been pretty active. Um, and Nick DeLeon when he came in as a sub. Uh, this weekend, he was very active. He actually missed a, I, I won't call it a sitter, he missed a good, a very good chance, maybe even a big chance in technical terms. I love that big chance as a technical term, and I'm not joking about that. And I kind he of missed w- one. And I kind of wish, I, well, hindsight is twenty twenty, but it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if he he laid off that through ball that Pontius uh, got on the end of from Rolf, if he had taken that instead. I mean, it probably wouldn't have been any different, but who knows? It may have been. Yeah, his, his finishing hasn't been great the last couple of years, but he's he's had moments where his finishing has been brilliant, but uh, on on the overall, it hasn't. But his his play, other than that, has been pretty strong. Uh, it's just everyone but the, I guess, in this game, the central midfield looks stronger. Uh, the defense... You know, the outside backs got burned a couple of times. The center backs were mostly pretty good. The outside back midfield, like I said, is mostly the forwards were the the drag on this game, which was a change, especially against a team playing a three-man midfield for the first half. I I don't know. I I kind of felt like there were a lot of a lot of C plus and B minus level performances. Um, No one really was bad. It just no one was really that good, other than Chris Rolfe. Um, I thought Rolf played pretty well, but everyone else is sort of okay. Um, I thought Michael Farfan did well when he got the ball, but uh, I think it was a combination of him not necessarily getting into position to do more, and also the team is not really giving him the ball as often as you would you would have expected. Because I think he was he completed something like eighty percent of his passes. Um, he was involved. He was getting into into decent spots when the team involved him, but I think. You know, it's, it's another chicken and egg problem um, where he could have involved himself more, but the team could have also made sure he got involved more, and it's almost like which thing provoked what. Um, so it, it was just it was it was a frustrating game because I thought that the, even with Hamid unavailable, even with Espindola unavailable, the teams that were put out on the field, DC United should be winning that game at home. Um, and yes, Houston did. Uh, spring a little bit of a surprise by being more positive than they have been recently. Uh, but there's still not that much there. And Giles Barnes wasn't particularly effective. 
So if you, if you told me that Barnes was not really going to do that much, I would have assumed that United would have won the game fairly comfortably, and instead what we got was, like you guys said, a, a 1-1 draw that, that was fair. I, I'm not sure where uh, Owen Coyle... I mean, I, I guess Owen Coyle was probably just trying to um, kind of push a narrative for his team because it's still a new group, uh, or not a new group, but at least a new structure with a new oh, coach he, in place. I mean, so he, he, has to, he has to say that. He's the coach. Right. Um, but the other people that were out there saying that, I, I just... Um, it's not. It, it's not true. <laughs> You're just, wrong. Yeah. It, it. It. The game was even, and that was uh, maybe that's why because people ex- assume that Houston's not that great, and they're on the road, and the fact that the game was even makes it almost look like they achieved more in the game than United did, so therefore they deserve more of the credit. Um. But I think realistically, you have to say that the one-one was a fair scoreline as well as a fair result for both teams. And that's disappointing that the team on the field for United should have been able to do better than that. Um, especially when at halftime, when they announced that, that they were going to pull Garrido and pull in or put in Bruin, I thought the game was perfectly set up for United to get the second goal because Houston would be exposing their defense. They would be stretching the game out a little bit. And instead what we got was Houston had maybe their best spell of the game in those that that stretch of the game, and it wasn't because uh, Bruin didn't really do that much. Um, it wasn't like he came in and played that well that it it, stru- it blew everything out of the water. It was that DC came out flat and almost seemed to assume that the game was going to drift in their direction rather than making it happen. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I came away from this game feeling like um, we do our player of the month, and I was looking over who should be considered for this game just to remind myself next week when I'm actually supposed to submit a vote. And I was having a hard time listing players beyond Rolf. It, it was sort of, uh, I felt like I was being a little generous in listing many other names. Um, so it, I came away frustrated in a different way from the New York game, but but still in the end pretty frustrated. Well, let's, <clears throat> excuse me, um, let's talk a little bit about next week before we bring uh, John on can from 86 Forever. Can I, can I rest the controls away from you and ask one more question about this past week? Fine. <laughs> we're already... We're, we'll go right back off the rails. I finally got us back on the rails, and now we're just going to go right back off. It's not about goats or anything. It's about real soccer. <laughs> uh, my, my thought as I was watching this game, and especially the goal, was what is it about United this season that... They seem to, like, when a cross comes in, the midfielders and defenders seem to give up on following their markers through. Uh, when Brad Davis made that cross, Davey Arnault and Bobby Boswell both decided, we don't need to follow our runners anymore. We'll just hang out and see what happens. And after cool. after Dykstra made the save, they weren't there to help clear the ball out. Right, and I know a lot of people have faulted Taylor Kemp on that one, but he was he was on the weak side, and he actually but, didn't have a mark. And and at that point, if you're just running full speed And that was Boswell's mark. Yeah, and if you are running... Yeah, exactly. It, well, he, he didn't have a mark, Taylor Kemp didn't. And at a certain point, when you're inside your own six-yard box, sprinting at your own keeper, you are at more at risk of giving up an own goal than of anything else happening. So I think that's part of it, is they're trying to get in position and the rebounds are just tough to do because if you're running full speed at your own goal, it's hard to kick the ball anywhere else, even if you do beat win the foot race to it. So it's they, they need to do better at actually, it's almost like basketball boxing out. They need to do a better job to put put a body on their, their yeah. mark and I mean, prevent I mean, them from having an unimpeded path to yeah, the goalkeeper. That's the big problem: is that they're not doing those little things before right. the crisis. We're having crisis situations, and when you have crisis situations in your own six-yard box, it's going to end badly. Right, and, and and the camp the camp thing. I mean, Kemp had been tracking Lopez, and then Lopez cut away, and Kemp is still where a left back is supposed to be. Um, I, I don't know what people exactly wanted him to do, other than like. You know, before the shot is ever taken, abruptly take a 90 degree turn and sprint towards the middle of the field um, is not really a thing that uh, happens. It's not a thing that's done. Um, you know, the real issue is that Clark 
Boswell has Clark, and then he goes to go close off the cross, and and that that is where Clark is free. Um, Boswell, I don't know, I don't think he should have bothered to try and close off the cross because I think he should know of of anyone he should know that Brad Davis is going to put the ball high enough over his head that he can't do anything about it at that point. Um, all he can do is stick with his man and hope to clean up whatever happens afterwards. Um, so him trying to close that cross out is not really uh, a good decision. Uh, but after that, if your center back makes that move to do that, there's still a moment where several players did not pick up Clark that could have picked up Clark. Right, yeah, and Davy Arnault specifically as well. Right, um, and, and Kemp is not one of those players. Um, I don't think Kemp was great in this game. Uh, I wasn't really pleased that Houston was able to do so much down his side. But on the goal, at least, I don't think he's really to blame at all, um, unless you wanted him to read that uh, – a disaster was coming without really any, he would not have had the information he needed to know what was about to happen, what was going to happen. Um, and he's also coming from a further away position. So he's got really going to be in a spot to cover for Boswell, who there's Opare between the two of them. Um, our note has dropped off so that there's a lot of players between Kemp and responsibility for the goal is, is I guess what I'm saying. But I also think, um, I mean, I hate to say it, but I think Dykstra also could have done a little better. That rebound doesn't really need to pop out where it does. Um, and I think he could have – I know it was sort of a reaction save, but there – I don't want to say – he's not as responsible for that goal as Hamid was for the goal against New York, the, the second goal. But it's definitely not tip-top goalkeeping technique, and, and um, any goalkeeper is going to immediately assume that the blame is on them on a goal unless – like their own player punches them in the face, basically. Um, so I'm sure, you know, Dykstra's uh, aware, but he, he he did play a lot better than his first appearance on the season. And um, it's not to say that he's primarily to blame or anything, but I do think he could have kept that rebound from falling as it did perfectly for Clark. Um, it, it could have at least been so Clark had to reach out and have an awkward finish. And then if he finishes, it's like, well, so be it. Um but all around, it's just not a good-looking goal. Um, the cross never should come in. Uh, Franklin should be confronting Davis. Boswell shouldn't be trying to close off the cross, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's just not a good goal team-wide. And, and I think um, I imagine when they sit down to watch film, it's going to be a lot of players feeling bad about that one rather than one guy feeling bad. Well, the, I hope they, they feel bad and they should feel bad about that. <laughs> Are we, I'm, are we, I'm completely botching a quote here. I know it's uh you 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 play it bad and you should feel bad. It's it's uh, Zoidberg. Yeah, Zoidberg. Ah <laughs> uh, man, of course I'm the one taking us off the rails now. Um, really quickly before we we bring John in to to talk about the White Caps, let's talk about Fabian Espindola a little bit more. Actually, not Fabian Espindola. DC United went three one and two without uh, the striker. Uh, and I think if anybody had offered us eight points uh, at the start of the season out of these six games, I, I think everyone takes it, or sorry, 11 points, not eight, mm-hmm. 11 points out of, out of these six games. Does anybody turn that down? Any DC United fan two months ago, would anybody have I turned mean, that down? I mean, I mean without, some without people context, have. yeah, there's always some people. Um, but without context, no, I don't think so. Exactly, um, and this is a context-free podcast, damn it. Oh, well then in that case, I, I mean, we probably shouldn't have discussed Houston's goal at length. <laughs> um, I feel like we're nothing but context. Yeah, we, we're the context only. We don't actually talk right. about the facts. We just provide the context. But it, I, I mean, that the, the record is very positive. Um, I think a lot of people, especially because last year, there were more than one pieces on the idea of um, the first six games of the season being um, strangely indicative of where you're going to end up, um, mm-hmm. at least playoffs versus no playoffs. And it being exactly six games that a spin low was out, it was kind of nerve-wracking to say, um, th- what's this team going to do without him? With Especially once also we found out Eddie Johnson's not going to be able to play. Luis Silva didn't appear in the preseason. Those are, are all bad pieces of news to have fallen to your lap. Um, facing the first six games of the year. But um, context-wise, I don't think there are too many games to feel that good about. Um, but sometimes sometimes you have to win when you don't deserve it, and I guess sometimes you get lucky. And um, United could easily be sitting on four, five, six points, somewhere 
in there instead of on 11. Um, they've gotten it done. Um, some of it, you know, so, some of the credit goes to sticking with it and, and stealing points at the end. Um, and that's, that's a nice thing to do. Um, some of it goes to just pure, you know, getting away with things. But at the same time, in the last couple of weeks, we've maybe paid back a little of that luck, uh, in mm-hmm. these last two games. So, um, overall, I, I'm happy with a lot of what I've seen, but I'm also, it's clear that this team is probably not the, uh, what are they, third overall in MLS points-wise? Um, tied third for a second, point? I think. Okay. I, I think it's clear to say that they're not the third or second best team in MLS right now. Um, but it's MLS. Tied for third, actually. Sorry, okay. tied for third. But And I think I think that, I don't think it would be very controversial for anyone to, to, to say that United's probably a playoff-worthy team at this stage, but maybe not a possibly winning the conference uh, spot at this stage of the season. Um, So overall, I guess it's as good as it could have been expected, but the context is sort of a a murky and somewhat questionable soup in the end. All right, and I'm going to put the optimistic spin on this before we we change over and and say that with Spindola and Silva coming back and knowing that the defense has played better and can play better, um, and Marcus Halstey getting coming back from injury at some point in the next several weeks, this team still has lots of room to improve. And if they're getting results in their current state, hopefully we can see them get results and more convincing results uh, going forward this season. And on that note, we are going to take a quick break as we welcome in John Seacrest from 86 Forever. Stick around. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Uh, DC United is traveling to Vancouver this weekend for hashtag DCU After Dark. Uh, kickoff at 10.30 against the Whitecaps. The game will be on Comcast Sportsnet and MLS Live if you're outside of the D.C. area. To help us preview this game, we now have John Seacrest from 86forever.com, uh, our sister site on SB Nation. John, welcome to the show. Welcome back, I should say. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the invite. I appreciate it. All right, we have to we have to start every interview off this way. What are you drinking? Uh, I've already finished it. Um, I harken back to my childhood, and it was, you can see this here, a Coke Slurpee. It was. My convenience convenience store's rendition of a Coke Slurpee. Nice. The only time I've had a Coke Slurpee was when I was in high school, and our bus broke down in Oklahoma, which I'm not from, obviously, but uh, we took a a Latin club trip there, and um, our bus broke down. Obviously, <laughs> and our bus broke down, and it, the AC broke, and it was a hundred and thirty degrees inside the bus. So they let us all out at a Burger King, and we had Coke Slurpees, and that was a long, un- pointless digression. Didn't that? Hit, I'm very tempted to follow up on why. Why did your Latin club go to Oklahoma? <laughs> because that's where the National Latin Convention was. It was at the University of Oklahoma that year. All right, okay. that's a hotbed of Latin culture. Didn't you know that? <laughs> Ancient Latin. Culture. No. Uh, what's left of it? Um, John, when you said you had a drink that was hearkening back to your childhood, I was simultaneously really nervous and really excited that you were going to like hold up a shot glass or something. Cop syrup or something, yeah. 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 I just finished a bottle of NyQuil. This is going to be a really fun 40 minutes or so. Uh, so let, let's turn to your Whitecaps, who uh, I'm sure you're very excited, are top of the table in MLS right now. They've got 16 points from their first eight games, which is weird because there's at least one team that's only played five games so far. But MLS is going to MLS. Um, not a bad turnaround for your Whitecaps, though, after a 3-1 to one loss at home to Toronto to start the season. What's changed since that, that opener and that loss? 
Um, you know, it's real funny because I'm going to be really negative this entire uh, interview, and you guys are going to be questioning why, because the Whitecaps are where they are. Uh, you know, they haven't looked great this season. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense because they're getting the results. But really, these guys turn it on in the last 10 minutes of a match, and they've been getting lucky. They've been getting scoring from Octavio Rivero, who I think still leads the MLS in goals. I haven't checked in a couple of days. but Helping my fantasy team, that's for I sure. I think that's true. <laughs> so there you go, right? You know, they uh, got another late one, uh, Darren Maddox, uh, over the weekend. You know, it's uh, what's it with the old Bon Jovi song, Living on a Prayer. I mean, uh, they could be at the very uh, opposite end of the standings right now if the ball just bounced, uh, you know, a couple of inches the other way. So I'm not totally enamored with how they've played. That being said, uh, I think the one thing the Whitecaps have that they didn't have last season is consistent goal scoring. Uh, last year, Carl Robinson thought, you know, we'll go with youth. You know, God bless him <laughs> for believing in Eric Hurtado, Darren Maddox, and Kunamane. They weren't ready for the next step. Great uh, support players, though, and that's what they have this season. Uh, they also have Robert Earnshaw who's come over. Uh, you know, he scored a late one himself. He's been wonderful. Uh, you know, they just brought in, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, but Kristen Teixeira uh, from Uruguay. He's tiny. He's uh, five foot two, but uh, holy he, cow! Yeah, he, especially you see him next to Kendall Waston. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's, uh, you know, more uh, a winger than a you know an up top striker. Uh, but you know, uh, you know, so far from what I've heard, looks pretty good. Again, I'm not totally sold on that acquisition yet. That kind of going down a rabbit trail there. But I, I have to see him play first before I judge him. But um, you know, so they have a few more players, and therefore, you know, uh, Darren Maddox, Kudamane, and uh, you know, uh, Eric Hurtado hasn't been really getting a lot of time. But they don't have to worry so much. There's not so much pressure on them to produce match in, match out. You know, Pedro Morales, Moro Rosales, uh, Octavio, Octavio Rivero those guys are pretty much going to take care of it for them. So I like the depth in scoring this year compared to last season. Last season was, uh, you know, just a gong show with uh, how many, uh, I'll say, unqualified players they had to lead that attacking core. So the Whitecaps' reputation for, I guess, under Carl Robinson has been that they like to run. They want to pin their ears back and, and run and run and run and run. And after that, they're going to run some more. Um, and I don't mean work rate running. I mean vertical up and down the field. Um, last year, I think, in addition to their finishing woes, the, the story on them was that they didn't have a plan B. If they couldn't get in behind, if they didn't have a chance to run, they didn't have a possession game to fall back on or a different strategy to try. Has that changed this year? Do they have a plan B at this point? Um, you know, the thing that they have different this season, I mean, uh, number one, their game plan is always going to be to run because that's how they build their roster. I mean, uh, Octavio Rivero, Kukuna Mane, uh, Darren Maddox, even though he's more of a sub at this point, uh, Moral Rosales, they all are fast guys. They can get in behind. They're not so much Moral Rosales, but... Uh, well, and know. when you have a guy like Pedro Morales pulling the strings who can <laughs> hit those balls... Um, phrasing on my part there, who can he? The passes he can pull off to hit people in stride is just insane. Yeah, and and Morrow's actually quite good at it as well. Although he's more of a you know playmaker with his hustle, um, but still, uh, you know, uh, is there really a plan B? I mean, not really. I will say, I think Carl Robinson's plan B is just to bring on different personnel, try to exploit tired legs and bring on even more speed, even though, you know, that's not really, a, you know, a change of course. I mean, the uh, the luxury the Whitecaps have is, okay, Kakutamane's gassed. You know, he's been running uh, the defense ragged all match long. Okay, let's bring on Darren Maddox, who's just as fast, right, and, and hungry for minutes. So he really wants to go out there and hustle, right? Okay, maybe not him, Eric Hurtado, who can do the exact same thing. I mean, last season the Whitecaps were um, chastised because they had too many similar players uh, because they were trying to fit that game plan. Same thing now, except those similar players are more depth players, uh, secondary players, bench players, as opposed to guys who are supposed to carry the team. So they fit in just a little bit well, a, a little bit uh, easier. Jason? Uh, John, I noticed in watching uh, the Whitecaps' last game, the one nothing win over uh, RSL, who basically tried to get themselves all set off before the game was over for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> the, Vancouver had been playing four two three one all season. All of a sudden, they shifted to a diamond um, and played with two up front, and Pedro Morales was left out. Um, I, I don't expect Morales well, to, to, to 
to not play this week. Or he was left out at the start, I should say. He was suspended. He was on a red card suspension, nah, that's wasn't right. he? He was suspended. Yeah. Um, but in any case, the, the switch to the diamond, um, still kind of an um, unexpected move, but was that just for RSL, or was that a um, an experiment to see if there is maybe a different way to play with this group of players? Uh, a reaction to the, to the Morales uh, suspension. I think they decided to alter their personnel a little bit, although, um, you know, when Carl Robinson, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm searching my mind here, but I do believe when Carl Robinson first uh, got here, I think they experimented with the diamond a little bit. I know they experimented a little bit uh, when they were kind of going with their scoring drought last season because they were trying to really just shake it up and see what they could get going. Uh, you know, I think it's something he's, com- he's comfortable going to, and I think the Whitecaps have the personnel to do it. Um, you know, I, I think uh, ideally what Carl Robinson likes is, you know, Pedro Morales is kind of the maestro back there, the wizard working that, you know, Mar Rosales, uh, Kakuta Mane, those guys are going to be running up the field really quick. Same with Octavio Rivero, right? I, I think that's uh, more or less what he likes, but uh, I'd also like to see the Whitecaps play more of a possession game. I think they have the guys to do it, um, you know, whether or not they're going to do that. I mean, they're just so apt to flick the ball over the head and just run with it. Um, I don't know. I, I Again, I guess I'm kind of rambling here, but I ideally would like to see these guys try to play a little bit more of a skill possession game. Like I said, I, I think they have the guys to do it. They have a really deep, talented roster. I think a lot of guys would like the Whitecaps roster. Yeah, and I think with the if they if they're in the four two three one the midfield triangle they can put out certainly um, would give them the basis to to play that way um, to to keep the ball more than they do um, just sprint back and forth. Um, I guess the other question I have is that um, for our listeners that maybe haven't seen too much of the Whitecaps this season, um, most people associate the Whitecaps or when they think of Whitecaps defenders, one name that comes up is Jordan Harvey. Um, but he's been displaced recently by a young, a very young player. Am, am I pronouncing it Sam Adekugbe or is it Adekugbe? I believe it's Adekugbe. Bay. Okay. I'm watching you be completely wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll have to trust you on this. Um, but uh, filibuster guess, is all about spreading mispronunciation. Yes, <laughs> and and hopefully also spreading the blame elsewhere. Very good. Um, but between him and um, Kendall Waston, it's it's been a, a lot of change since the last time these two teams saw each other. Um, I guess fill, fill our listeners in a little bit on on those two, since I would I would assume that they're going to be in the lineup uh, once again. Yeah, and uh, of course uh, I mentioned my uh, my negativity. It all stems from the Whitecaps backline. <laughs> I know it sounds kind of funny, but basically. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys know, but we have a, a, a really great guy, a great off-field ambassador by the name of Pat Mudu Ka, uh, currently patrolling as one of our center backs. Um, you know, maybe on a, a maybe in a lineup with a, a more reserved pairing, it would work. Right now, he's paired with Kendall Waston. Uh, <laughs> the two of them are quite similar. Uh, maybe Carl Robinson's going for the intimidation factor there, but uh, you know, they've been caught out of position a lot. They've been getting the cards a lot. It's not something that you like to see. Pablo Ka um, getting cards? I know, right? And, and in that pairing, he's by far the less likely to get booked. Um, <laughs> That's what I, I, I think I put this up over the over the past weekend, just when I saw that um, Waston had been booked again, that um, his pace, uh, his per, per if, if you did it over a 34-game season, his career in MLS – um, if he played every single game and just sat the suspensions out for yellows and never got reds, he would still get five suspensions following the MLS rules for a 34-game season. Um, <laughs> wow. Because of his, his cards per game, um, which actually sticks to what he was doing before when he was in Costa Rica. Um, he's the same kind of player in the Champions League. So in that pairing, he's the uh, Ka is the, uh, I guess, the, the more calm and uh, more <laughs> likely to, to, stay, to say, well, maybe not on this one. I'm, I'm not going to charge him this time. The controlled player is Pog. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and what's what's surprising is the Whitecaps have a great young center back by the name of Diego uh, Rodriguez. Uruguayan, uh, Carl Robinson, is, is hitting that uh, hitting that bank hard. Um, and he's come over, and, and he's great. He's been a more what uh, I think Waston needed with that, you know, calm, controlled pairing. But uh, there was a suspension. There was an injury. I'm hopeful. I'm not sure if he's going to get back in this week. I would hope that he does because... He presents a much better option. You also asked about Jordan Harvey. Yeah, he's pretty much bench duty right now. Sam Adekube has just been uh, pretty unbelievable. Uh, you know, he brings that uh, the two-way game that Carl Robinson likes. I mean, that's the reason Jordan Harvey 
got minutes is because Harvey could push the ball up the pitch. Uh, and that's why Adekube is doing it as well, except Adekube, I mean, uh, the guy likes to run with the ball, you know? <laughs> like, he just takes off, and he's quite good at it. So um, if as long as the Whitecaps can keep him there, I think they want him there. So right now, Harvey's a great depth option, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a business guy. I'll tell you right now, every time I've interviewed uh, Jordan Harvey and met him, he is pretty much the nicest guy on the planet. And so it pains me a little bit to say, but I'm a business dude, and he's making lots and lots of cash uh, for an MLS player. And right now, he's a bench player. I, I, I think if the Whitecaps could explore moving him, I think they probably would. And, and given that he is a left back in ML, and, and a league famous for a shortage of left backs at any given time, um, I would imagine it, it should be a, uh, a seller's market for Vancouver, I would think. And they need center backs. Well, um, I, he might not be available. He's playing in Japan right now. But you mentioned Atakube has a tendency to take the ball and just run with it. And that reminds me of, of a certain Canadian international who used to play here in D.C. United um, by the name of Dan Yakovich, who would just go on walk about sometime and run with the ball for no reason at all. It was always it was always an adventure with him. He could be really good, but it, he was an adventure. Ben? So my main question is about how Vancouver and DC United both have profited from the largesse that is Toronto FC trading away their best players. Uh, DC United got Luis Silva... Uh, from Toronto FC, and obviously Vancouver got uh, Matias Laba. How big of a impact has Matias Laba had on uh, Vancouver Whitecaps, and what should we expect from him uh, come this weekend? And I'll throw one more at you. I believe uh, TFC had to waive the right of refusal for the Whitecaps to get uh, Christian Teixeira. Uh, so that could be another one. Uh, I don't know, you know. Uh, we, Robert yeah. Earnshaw is another former Red. And there you go, right? So I don't know how good Tashere is yet. I haven't actually seen him uh, play an actual MLS match yet. So, uh, you know, jury's out on him, but it could be another one. Uh, but for Matias Laba, I mean, um, I, I, I don't think there's any hyperbole in saying he's the most valuable player on the Whitecaps. He's the best player on the Whitecaps. I think some could argue it's Pedro Morales, but no, it's Matias Laba. Um, you know, he's, what else can you say about him? You know, he's just a rock down in, in the defensive midfield. He's made uh, the two players that have kind of uh, rotated in and out the last two seasons of playing it with his part, uh, playing as his defensive partner, uh, Russell Tybert and Gershon Kofi. He's made both of them better players. Um, you know, he, he's a tackle machine, he's an interception machine, defensively sound. He makes the Whitecaps' back line better than they are. And that's been a little bit more prominent this season. You know, I shudder to think where we would be with the current back line we have when it's Ka and Waston uh, if Laba wasn't there. You know, uh, I think the Whitecaps are so incredibly lucky to have him. But to be completely honest, I think we all know he's probably not going to be here too long. Well, maybe you guys get a payday out of that at least. Or, yeah. is, he, or is his contract coming up soon? Or do you think he might go on a free? Oh, great. You're asking me a, contra- a question about MLS contracts. Hey, you said you were a business guy. You said you were a business guy. I just thought I'd put it out there. Let me look into my, like, crystal eight ball here. Oh, wait. Um, oh, wait, he just you don't have multiple spreadsheets on. That's, that's all I got. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, you're obviously slacking if you don't have multiple spreadsheets with contract end dates, speculated or otherwise. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure. Um, the one question, like, uh, I, I know he got traded outright from TFC, and then I think, like, the Whitecaps bought his bought his contract uh, this off season, right? I think there was a press conference for it, so they would get yeah. the sale of his, right? Yeah. I, yeah. yeah so. I, I didn't hear anything of TFC retaining any of his um, any percentage of his rights, so I would assume that if he were purchased. Uh, from somewhere, someone abroad, that uh, TFC would be in the cold, not having anything, which is, you know, how they tend to run things for whatever reason. <laughs> but they got Defoe for a season. <laughs> They're really good at salting the earth. The problem is that they salt their own field instead of the other guys. <laughs> right. Toronto's just—they're—they're they're a well-run organization. <laughs> uh, very good. Yes. All right, John. One last question before we let you go, and it's—it's it's one of my favorite questions to ask at the end of an interview. Put yourself on the other side, uh, on the other bench. How would you game plan against the Whitecaps? What would you be focusing on? How would you attack them? 
go straight at the center backs. <laughs> yeah, seriously, just go straight at them. Uh, you know, the Whitecaps, uh, you know, they're going to try to intimidate you. They're going to try and step in front of you. You know, you can always. Uh, I, I always find that that the teams that have the best success and. Uh, Maybe it's because the Whitecaps play uh, such a physical style, but the teams that go down a little bit easier seem to get up under the Whitecaps' skin, and then they seem to uh, maybe lose control a little bit as the match wears on. So uh, I'm not going to say that's the game plan. I'm saying that's kind of uh, maybe a garnish on the game plan. But no, I'd run through to the center backs. Um, that's pretty much you know what, what I would expect to do. Um, you know, the Whitecaps' one weakness is their back line. Uh, and, you know, you're probably... If, if the Whitecaps are going to go with the style of game plan that we think they are, and that's, you know, the, the dump and chase <laughs> for all those hockey fans out there, <laughs> um, then uh, then DC just really has to stay back and, and play their possession and, and play a possession game, right? I mean, if they're going to get uh, those gaudy possession stats, it's going to be a game or a match like this because the Whitecaps are going to be doing those Hail Marys. I just had to laugh at DC United and gaudy possession stats because that is not at all their game. Yeah. Well, I haven't been watching DC games. Give me a break. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I'm just, it's just, oh, it'll be interesting. It's really going to be center backs playing um, long ball with each other, back and forth, center back to center back, all game long. John, thanks for coming on the show. Why don't you tell our uh, tell our listeners where they can find you online? You can find us at 86forever or at Twitter at 86, the numbers forever. All right, find us at blackandredunited.com. We're on Twitter at filibusterdcu, at blackandredu for the website. Send your emails, hate mails, love mails, whatever mails, as long as they're electronic, to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. You could try and send a real mail to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. I... I, I encouraged you to try. Yeah, and then send us an email to be on the lookout for it. <laughs> uh, we are on iTunes. Give us a rating and review. Same thing on Stitcher. We are also on SoundCloud, so there are lots of different ways to listen to us. Mostly, just tell a friend about the show. That is how we get the word out. For Jason and Ben, John, thank you again. I'm Adam. Say goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Jason.